0: all right hello lovelies this is joe aka the curvy geeky fangirl and i'm back at it again with another curvy geeky fangirl recap where i recap all of the things i've watched and or read and or just encountered as a geek here in the real world living this life Basically, I'm going to be covering a bunch of shows that I watched this week uh, and a movie I actually got a, was able to catch, A Wrinkle in Time. So we'll get started with all of that. But real quick, I also want to let you know that you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and of course my website, CurvyGeekyFangirl.com. Uh, you can also find this podcast on the Anchor app, iTunes, Google Play Music, and Pocket Casts. And hopefully that's going to expand at some point. Honestly, your girl's lazy, so I haven't really been looking at other <laughs> avenues. But I uh, mean, maybe, maybe one day it'll it'll start to branch out a little bit more. Who knows? We'll see. So that all being said, I am going to be covering Legends of Tomorrow, per usual. The Flash, which is back in rotation. Black Lightning, which is also back in rotation. The Magicians. Jessica Jones and like I said A Wrinkle in Time real real briefly I'm going to talk about it because it was it was it was just such a, an experience when I watched it so lots of big feels happening and of course there are the Asian dramas I'm going to be touching on as well I managed I'm kind of keeping up with two it's a slow go with these two one of them is currently airing in real time, uh, which is My Dear Boys, which is an idol drama from Taiwan. And the other show is one that has already finished its run, so I'm able to binge it in its completion. But I've kind of been taking my time with it, and that's When a Woman Chases a Man, also an idol drama from Taiwan. So we're gonna be catching all of those shows and let you know these opinions. I'm gonna try something a little new and instead of doing like a full recap where I recap the actual episode. I'm just going to talk about my biggest takeaways from these episodes. Uh, Also, just to let you know, spoilers are going to be heavily involved with everything that I'm talking about. That's just me. I love a spoiler. Let me tell you, it doesn't ruin the overall experience for moi, but I know that's not the case for everyone. So if you're into, not into spoilers, sorry, definitely check out the shows that I'm talking about already before you come and listen, because after this intro, it will be Spoilers non-stop, because that's just how I do. So right after this, we're going to be transitioning into Legends of Tomorrow. Hopefully you caught it. I have some feelings about it. I'll be with you right after this. Okay, what do you guys think of these transitions? Real quick. I've been been playing around with the different options that they give you, trying to find something that feels good. One was a record scratch. Now it's something called smooth let me know how you feel about that. It's 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 a going process. I'm learning as I go. So we'll see. We'll see how this kind of works out. I'm really enjoying uh being able to do this the way through Anchor as it is. I'm giving them a lot of love because it's it's mad easy, honestly, and it's just it's just a lot of fun. So that aside, let's go ahead and jump into Legends of Tomorrow and like I said, we are going to be talking about a lot of spoilers. So here we go. So my biggest takeaways from Legend of Tomorrow, uh, first of all, Rib and Wally are back in the game. That was fantastic to see. I was really hoping that Wally was gonna be a legend and now he is. So at the end of Legends of Tomorrow, Wally basically uh, has an option. He can join the Time, what are they? The Time group, the Time something. That, that the like more like official looking organization, or he can join the legends who, arguably mess up a lot of things but have a lot of fun in the process you know what i mean and they eventually fix it so i feel like it's a better fit so he decides to you know go ahead and stay with team legends which i'm excited about i hope it means we don't lose somebody else because like i said we already lost martin we already lost Jax. we we should gain at least two more members as big as this cast is I think we should at least get one more person. I'm just saying, so I'm glad Wally is joining us, and I'm glad that he was able to play a part in the show like he did between you know helping out Ray like he did and and taking souvenirs from the darks so it was it was interesting to see how that works, and I'm very invested in seeing how he's gonna move forward with this group. Like what? who is he gonna become besties with? Who's gonna be like, besides Rip, who else is he gonna have like this fantastic camaraderie with? I'm interested to see how the pairings go. I know he knows Nate. Oh, I got it right this time. It's not Nick, it is Nate. I know he already worked with Nate and kind of got along with him, but I'm honestly kind of hoping for like a, a Mick and him pairing or even a, uh, is it Zari? I think it's Zari. Um, and him pairing, like, you know, she's, she comes up super bitter and callous, but it's not without good reason. She did come from a dystopia. So I think if anybody's going to be able to show her how to have a good time, it's going to be Wally, I think. If they're going down that road, who knows? We'll see. But yeah, I really like seeing Wally back in and I'm, I'm glad that he's going to be tagging along for a little bit. Um, I found it interesting that Ray might have a thing for Nora Dark. I'm, I'm not going to lie. That kind of blew my mind just... A little bit because a when they first got and met with her she was trying to kill them all granted with this show that's not completely out of the norm for someone to be like "Ooh, she's trying to take my life she kind of hot like that's not it's pretty normal for the show but I felt like Ray's actual connection with Nora was when she was a younger girl when she was like this little teenager that they were trying to protect with Constantine I felt like that's when they had their connection. So now that she's, now he's dealing with the adult version of her again, I just, I I found it a little weird to try and connect the dots to him being like, oh yeah, I love her. Like, oh, I mean, love is a strong word, but it's right. Like we're we're seconds away from that being a thing. So I found it interesting that they kind of touched on that and was like, ooh, yeah, that is something that might be happening at some point. I I also kind of want to know where they would go with that would he be the one that kind of talks her into finally letting go of of mollus is that a is that a thing that might happen is she going to be another person who could join the legends would they do that would they make her an anti-hero i wouldn't mind nora being on the legends honestly i like the actress that plays her and i like the moments that they had with her and Ray when they got stuck in a. Uh, where were they? The UK, Germany, Germany. When they were stuck in Germany and trying to get this scientist out, I kind of—they did have some nice moments there, but eh, we'll see. It's the Darks. Who knows? She'll probably betray them at the first chance she gets if that ever ever happened. Uh, we get a Maya's totem. Uh, some more, some more information about a totem. How it's being taken over by literal darkness, as in DHA RK, because the Darks. It's a good joke. So. Basically, the darks have her spirit totem and Nora is the one who decides to wear it. And at first she can't activate it. And then she finally figures out how to connect with it and takes over the totem. And apparently on the spirit plane, that's just causing all kinds of havoc and wreck because it's a it's a darker entity trying to take it over. Also, she is the embodiment of Mollus right now. So probably not the greatest. So that is definitely something that is happening as well. Uh, Another thing that stood out for me was that Malus needed the totem to get out of his prison. They made a point to touch on the fact that the first totem bearers were the ones who put him in a prison. So it kind of seems like he needs to recollect these things in order to get him out, which sounds very Pirates of the Caribbean. So if you watched any of the Pirates of the Caribbean thing, they had this whole thing with like the pieces of eight and how each of the pirate kings had to donate these things in order for them to release Calypso. They managed to trap her into a body and they needed those same items again to release her. It sounds very much like that. Like, okay, so the totems is what trapped him. So he needs the totems to release him. It's very interesting. And I'm also interested to see if we're, how much of this information we're going to get before they go into their finale. Because their finale is coming up quick and in a hurry. I want to say it's like next week, if not the week after. It's coming up real fast. So hopefully we get to see what this mysterious six totem is at some point. Um, We also uh, realized that, uh, or at least we got an official count of of the totems they currently have. So five are out in the world right now. Two are on the dark side, literally. Again, with the spelling. So Kuwasa has the water totem and she's with the darks. And they also have a Maya spirit totem. And then on team legend side, they have three totems with them. So they've got the earth totem they stole from the darks. Uh, They have a win totem. wind or air I guess totem that Zari's got and they also recently just collected the pieces to the fire totem that Ray more than likely will figure out how to put back together so that's three my money is on the mysterious six one being something that either has to do with heart because we're going full planet tears if you're a 90s kid you know that reference um but also (laughs) just I, I just have a feeling it's gonna be something like that, like emotions and love or interconnection of some sort. I, f- I feel like that's where they're going with this. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to see. And really that's it. That's it for me when it comes to Legends of Tomorrow. They, they kind of did their Legends thing. They got real campy. They had that little bit of adventure. We got introduced to characters that don't normally talk with each other, AKA Wally meeting with the rest of the Legends or even getting to know more about Nora Dark. I liked it. It was its regular campy cheesiness that I do enjoy. And it wasn't treading water to me. We actually got to move the story a little bit f- more forward. And the main focus actually of the episode was with Damien Dark and him like coming to terms with how he really feels about his daughter and also having a face off against himself. It was very interesting. I really enjoy the actor who plays Damien Dark. I like that they keep bringing him back, even though it's very redundant by now, but I still enjoy it. So that's it for Legends of Tomorrow. Let me know what you guys thought about the show. As always, like I said, you can reach me on all of those socials and also you can leave comments. I'm pretty sure you can leave comments somewhere in here. If not, definitely on curvygeekyfangirl.com so we can keep the conversation going. And right after this, we're going to be talking about Flash and all the fun that happened there. So stay tuned. (laughs) All right, so moving into the flash so with the flash my biggest takeaways uh, included iris saving the day i felt like the show was going out of its way to be like no, no no iris is important not just to barry but to all of us look at how well she's using this brain to help us figure out how to stop things that's why it kind of felt like i mean iris iris is definitely something that pulled me into the show Honestly, like when they first started talking about The Flash, I was like, "Eh, okay, here we go. Because Arrow had already been out and had already disappointed me at that point. And I was like, all right, here we go with another Warner Brothers, you know, DC mix up. Let's see how this goes. And when they announced the love interest, I was like, wait, what? What's happening? What are they doing with Iris? Because I was familiar with The Flash comic and Iris being, you know, a wet woman with red hair. And instead, they totally changed things up. And here was this gorgeous black woman coming in to be the love interest and i was like okay well i'm in now so i'm gonna check this out checked it out have loved it loved it loved it loved it the diversity in flash is amazing and i felt like that kind of slowly spread through arrow as well which i don't know if that's because of flash or because casting directors were like oh okay well you know this is the thing so that is my little background about the flash which i probably already talked about at some point but you know what Forgive me. So back into Iris saving the day. I I mean, I gotta give credit where credit's due. The, the actress playing Iris, her and Barry's chemistry seems to be growing. Like when the show first started, it definitely felt way for us. But now it kind of feels like they're more comfortable with each other and they are kind of behaving like an actual couple. So, which is great. And I love that she was able to be there for him when he was like, really going through it and just like at his wits end and not knowing what to do with anything else that was going on. And she was there to be like, no, we got this. It's you and me. We got this. And she figured it out. So I was glad that they put that into the story. Jesse came back. I know some people love Jesse quick and love that she's back and love, love it whenever she's in the episode. Unfortunately, I'm not one of those people. I feel like every time they bring Jesse in, we're getting the same story every time they bring Jesse in and that's usually like emotions around her father it's him not doing something or not listening to something or not understanding something and she's at her wit's end and she's trying to separate all the time and we just get angsty Jesse like every time she comes she never just comes to like save the day or like just be like yo I'm killing it on earth too What and whatnot. How about you guys come and chill with me for a little bit? We don't get like a cool Jessie Quick. We get her in the midst of another like emotional debacle with her father. And that's what we got again. Like even though she comes in and tries to help Flash with what's going on, ultimately she came in to talk about, uh, what's his face? Wells and, and their issues going back and forth. I hope the next time she comes down, it's for her like an actual advancement on her character. Cause right now we're just getting a lot of the same thing I feel, but you know she, at least we got to see her in more action this time in full outfits, actually knowing what she's doing. That was very cool to see. So hopefully we get more of that and a little less more of gee will it occurs dad. Why don't we understand each other type of thing again. Although I'm not going to lie, that very end where uh, he reconfigured his that mind reading device so that she could hear his thoughts because he had trouble putting into words how exactly he was feeling about her mother and like the things he missed about being with her with his or with her mother, which to me, again, felt kind of like out of the blue. Was this something he had been battling with this whole time? But anyway, it was sweet to see the two of them kind of come together and just hearing uh, the laughter uh, from the I, whoever was playing her mother—that was it was cute. It was very, it was very, it was a genuine moment, which was nice. So I did appreciate that. But hopefully, next time Jesse comes back, we're getting something beyond her dad drama. That would be greatly appreciated. Uh, we also learned some things about breaches, which they're more than likely going to come back to. So hopefully, you took your notes. But basically, uh, we learned that while. Barry is in flash time or whatever that is, or going so, so, so fast that he's doing breaches can't open. They don't have enough time to open and like establish themselves. on, I guess our plane or whatever the that space is that we're in, they don't have enough time to do that. So it's just like blurs. And I know they're going to try and wrap that into Devel because we kicked off the episode with Barry trying to increase his speed so that he could run through a closing breach to no avail. So now that that kind of got put into it with this overall bomb storyline, they are probably definitely coming back to that. But it was cool that we got a little a little bit of like, ooh, do some homework, take these notes. This is something you'll need to know for the final type of thing, which was cool. I also love that we got Frost actually worried about Caitlyn, and I love that she calls her Katie, which was really cute. Was, again, they are the same person, but it's very much Jekyll and Hyde, and. I found it interesting that Caitlin was talking about how usually she doesn't remember anything that happens whenever Frost takes over, but she remembered everything this particular time. So that was interesting. And I hope I go in and dissect that a little bit more. Caitlin, I feel is another character that they don't really do much with. Frost, they do a lot with, but Caitlin, I, kinda, I guess like after three seasons, they were like, well, that was all her story. <laughs> like she, she's a scientist. She fell in love with Ronnie, who died, uh, being half a firestorm at some point. And she is trying to get over that, I guess, in her own way. Also Killer Frost. And then mostly Killer Frost, everything else. Killer Frost is like this angsty, I'm a loner type person. Because she came out as like an, uh, she's a persona for Caitlyn. Like this protective one. And how they're trying to find the balance between the two. It's very... I hope they do more with this character. It's very interesting where she could go. And I know Killer Frost in the comics has like an excellent arc that tends to play out. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping we're gonna get a little more Caitlyn's story and Frost story, you know, instead of just focusing all the time on the guys. That being said, uh, speaking of guys, there was no Digby. So even though I just said, hopefully don't focus on the guys too much, I love me some Digby. Digby is quite, quickly becoming a favorite on the show for me. So he wasn't there. We didn't get our our regular dose of Digby, but hopefully he's coming back for this next episode. I'm hoping. Uh, Also, Jay mentioned that uh, he was about to go to, he's going to retire, right? This is another takeaway. He's going to retire on his earth. Uh, He's going to try and like coach and or get conditioned Train uh, a new speedster that's on his Earth, and he he mentioned that it's a her. So I'm hoping it's he wasn't referring to Jesse because Jesse's already cemented in Earth Two as being her own speedster. I am hoping it's Iris. We've uh, seen some. Well, if you're into spoilers like me, you've seen the photos of Iris in her speedster suit. Like there's a version of that that's out there, and I'm hoping that that's what that's relating to. That Jay Garrick is training the Iris doppelganger uh, to utilize her speedster abilities. And and I hope we get to see that at some point. So that'll be interesting to see. And it's always fun to see Jay. I love, I love seeing him. The actor that plays him again was the original Flash back in the 90s TV show, if you remember it at all. And he's just, he's just a joy to watch. And I swear this man just like gets more and more handsome as, as time goes on. So very interesting and appreciate it. So thank you, CW. Thank you for bringing that to our televisions. Uh, also at the very, very end of everything, we got, uh, who I think is Barry's daughter and our granddaughter. Basically there's this woman that's kept popping up everywhere. She showed up at their wedding. She showed up here and there talking with, uh, oh, what's his, with Cisco and Digby. And then also with Barry and now with Caitlin and with, uh, Wells, she just kind of shows up and she causes like a little bit of an accident and she talks super, super fast. And then she goes back and writes these weird symbols into her notebook. And we found out that those are time symbols. Apparently it's like a language or something for, uh, for the time force. So, or the speech force, sorry. So it'll be interesting to see where that's going. Um, is she nefarious though? Cause like when it ended and they were like, Oh, I hope it goes well with whoever you've got to meet. She just kind of like her face dropped as soon as they left. And she was like, it has so, I don't know if she's trying to put things strategically in place to then, you know, rule the world or if she literally is a descendant of Berries and is trying to warn him against something. I'm hoping sooner rather than later we're going to get this answer cuz they've been playing this card for some time now. Like we're we're getting into the home stretch. I would like some answers. So, but yeah, but that's it for me. Uh, when it comes to the Flash, it was a nice little side step away episode. They kind of touched on Devo. They didn't really push the story forward with Devo, but we got a lot of nice action and a lot of a lot of, of Barry doing his best, which is what we usually, what I usually like when he's focused on a task and and trying to get stuff done. So it was cool. It was nice to see. So, with all that being said, we are going to be transitioning over to. Black Lightning, which was a fantastic episode this week, right after this. All right, jumping into Black Lightning. As always, it's always a joy to watch another episode of Black Lightning. You just learn things sometimes. It does, sometimes it does tread water. You're just like, all right, show. But to its credit, it's doing a great job so far of being a mid-season show and given us lots of information. So my biggest takeaways from this particular episode was um that death scene at the very end. Holy cow, holy cow. Like, I mean, so I, Tobias Whale is already one of my favorite villains in this DC universe right now. In this particular TV DC universe, he's just so deliciously evil and like ridiculously charming and handsome to boot. Like it's it's a whole, it's a total package of evil, but like an attractive one, It's it's terrible. But at the same time, amazing. So that being said, Tobias is like at his wit's end. He does not like what's happening around him right now. He wants to move higher in the crime food chain as it is. And he can't do that with Lady Eve uh, in the position of power that she's in. She's really like squashing a lot of what he can and cannot do. So uh, I think it finally comes to a head when he loses his right-hand man, which is Toledo, done to Toledo. So he doesn't realize that Gambi is actually the person that took Toledo out, but he knows Lady, or yeah, Lady Eve had something to do with it. So he's like, you know, I can't kill her because apparently there's a board, there's like an evil board that functions and votes on things like this. But his sister's like, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be you who does it, and they kind of concoct this plan. They figured out a way to shoot lightning from guns, because comic logic. And this way, it kind of frames black lightning. And yo, that fight scene at the very end, it wasn't the most layered fight scene. It's it's pretty simple, like they bombard her and she's using her uh, bodyguards that she's got to try and like fend them off. And one by one, these bodyguards are going down until it's just her left. To her credit, and Jill Scott's incredible credit, she manages to like, get one of these weapons and kind of hold out for a little bit, but they still get her because somebody was clever enough to like hide in one of the coffins and they're able to totally blindside her and they take her out. And it's not pretty. Like even afterwards we get a little news segment and she's just all burnt in the face. And they're like, Black Lightning is out here just murdering folks. It was, it was a clever, it's a clever plan. It's a clever plan that didn't go down super, super smoothly, but But still, Lady Eve Eve is dead. The last thing that was kind of chaining Tobias down from being total crazy, it's gone. So I'm interested to see where that's going to go. And especially with everything else that happened with him, because uh, Tori is dead. So Tori is Tobias' sister, who he loves more than anything. And in his uh, attempt to get at Black Lightning and escape him, because Black Lightning kind of gets the drop on them at the club tori gets caught in the crossfire and takes a bullet it's a stray bullet from one of his own henchmen who's trying to shoot a black lightning who manages to deflect it but it goes through tori in the process and poor tobias it still has to be you know they're still trying to protect him so they get him out but tori dies in black lightning's arm in the club so that's even more fuel to his crazy fire that's about to get off i know it's gonna get crazy I also mentioned that Toledo's dead. So these are two people that are super close to Tobias. Like he trusted them with a lot of his business and a lot of his sanity. And they are all out of the picture. Like that's a lot of loss. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when we get back to them. Also, Lala is back in the game. So uh, the uh, drug dealer slash I'm pretty sure abusive father slash former student of Jefferson Pierce, who we all saw get murdered by Tobias, I'm pretty sure in his jail cell, is uh back in the game. He wakes up in like a spare hotel room and the woman he shot, like the last person he killed shows up and it's the woman who was trying to get her daughter back and knew that she was being pimped out in some hotel. And she's like, welcome to the resurrection. And she turns into a tattoo. She like spirits away. It turns into a tattoo that appears on his chest. And he's like, he's like heavy breathing and panting when this happens. So either he could feel this happening or it was an offset from him waking up from being dead but uh they just kind of threw this in there at the very end like what like wait wait what because he can he not die i'm not familiar with black lightning comics i'm gonna have to do some research on this and find out if he just can't die and or did something else go down and now he's cursed with like hearing back from the people he did kill like is he gonna get more tattoos i have a thousand questions and i need answers so i'm gonna be looking up in that if you guys know anything about that hit me up on twitter so that we can talk about this some more because I, I just, I was, it, it was clever if they wanted a WTF moment because they got one. Because I was like, what the, what the, what, what? So amazing though. Amazing. I like this little twist. So that came out. Also, Anissa is getting a suit by Gambi. I just, okay, Gambi has a lot of secrets. He's not telling Jefferson everything. Hell, he's not telling most of the family anything. I'm pretty sure he's not evil. It's hard to say because we learned even more with his whole conversation with Lady Eve, like how he set things up with her and was trying to get things grounded and working with her to create whatever balance it is that they're trying to do. But also he like genuinely loves the Pearson family. He really does. That being said, I thought it was really cute that Anissa and Jen referred him as Uncle Gamby and he was just like genuinely excited to like show her the plans for this suit. Like, oh my gosh, we're going to have this layered into it and then you will be able to do this and it reflects bullets and it's waterproof and just, just all this excitement with him for making this new suit for Anissa. And I thought that was really cute outside of the fact that he is hiding terrible secrets from them. So yeah, that's happening with Gamby. And also... To, uh, well, I mentioned everything else, but, uh, but more on Gambi, like how he's integral to so how like the, the 100 rose up. What is this agency that they worked for? Do they manage the balance of evil and good in a given place or something? Like, what was that whole discussion about? But we we're probably just going to have more questions than answers by the time everything is done, because Gamby is a man of many secrets, and apparently we are learning nothing new anytime soon. I am glad though that Jefferson is calling him on his BS. Like, well, hold up. You knew this fool was back in town, meaning Tobias, and you told me nothing. I'm not buying that you were blindsided and didn't see him coming. You knew he was here. So I'm kind of glad that it didn't make Jefferson like totally out of the loop and just blindly trusting Gamby, but Still, it's it's gonna, it, the, the time is coming. The time is coming when these truths are gonna fall out and then we'll get to see the real aftermath of everything. But other than that, Black Lightning was doing good. Uh, the main focus was that Anissa uh, and and Jefferson are now fully aware that each other has powers. And it's kind of awkward at the same time because on the one hand, Jefferson wants to protect her. On the other hand, Anissa can't wait to get back into the action with her dad. Like, this is what she's been waiting for. She's been trying to help and protect her city for the longest And now this is something that she can actually do and do well. And she's looking forward to like learning more about it. She gets her first knockdown though. And it's not a punch. It's learning that uh, that editor that worked with her grandfather that she had been uh, getting all this information from who was hesitant to give her the information in the first place, uh, died. It was labeled an accident, but we all know it was not an accident. Somebody came after him for spilling this information and now she feels kind of responsible. And one of the last scenes we get is her coming back home and kind of telling her dad like what's going on and seeing how it really affects her and him being there for her. So it'll be interesting to see how training goes with her now that everything's out in the open between the two. And also, when is Jennifer getting her powers? Like, everything is good and whatnot, but I want to see Jennifer also get her powers. Like, let's get this, again, let's get this family lightning together. I'm interested to see how everything goes down. But otherwise, again, great episode. I can't wait to watch the rest. I know we're counting down quickly to its own finale because it was a mid-season show, but I'm going to enjoy the ride for as long as possible. And so, with that being said, we're going to be switching over to The Magicians right after this. Okay, the magicians. So we got back into the magicians. There was no poppy this episode. Boo. I know she like as soon as possible, like got out that mirror situation. And again, I do not blame her for that. Uh but uh yeah, so we basically pick up right where we left off with last week, which is the destruction of those mirrors. Penny being trapped in the library now that they found her. Found him, her. Uh, he also got betrayed by Westerface and uh everybody else kind of scattered to the winds trying to figure out their own ish and that's where we pick up my biggest takeaways from this episode okay it might be blasphemous because i know some people love these particular episodes but i am not a fan of these musical episodes i i mean i know the cast gets a kick out of it and it's and it's kind of become a thing after the first i want to say the first season started it and everybody is pretty talented they do an amazing job when it comes to this these musical episodes That being said, I don't need them. I don't need them, but I thought it was clever how they kind of roped it in to the overall storyline. Like, okay, in this particular storyline, we're dealing with uh, a joy demon type of deal. And in this particular joy demon food fest that he's created, Josh is somebody who's really into, I guess, singing and having a good time. And we get that right away is Josh doing a full solo a whole thing and just singing around with these crazy people who like will beat you up if you're not having a good time. So that's how we kick off the episode. Again, I'm not the biggest fan of it, of, the, of these musical ones, but I understand everybody has a good time and, and fully accepted, especially if I'm in the minority of people who don't like it. So do your thing. Also, uh, we got the return of Josh and we found out that Josh is feeling some kind of way about not being more included in this quest. I guess he took it upon himself to include himself as one of the gang after they found him in Fillory. And ever since then he's kind of felt overlooked and not really connected with the others of the group. And to be honest, I kind of was on their side. Like for the most part, he comes as very obnoxious kind of invites himself to ish. All he cares about is getting high. And apparently he's been texting them and trying to call them for like ages and they've all just ignored him with the exception of Julia. So, I mean, I didn't understand the problem. I kind of was with Katie, like, and like, when, like, so what's your point? Like, we weren't the best of friends in the first place. But it turns out that he is a part of the quest. And if you want to be a good human being, you're supposed to at least acknowledge this type of thing and and kind of go from there. So we got to talk about that, uh, especially in terms of Josh. I love the fact that this show figures out creative ways to continuously just throw shade on the main characters for their selfish actions. Like everybody out there is literally out there for themselves. Even though they're trying to work as a collective, what they say is for the greater good to bring magic back. We all know that they're all working together so that they can better up themselves. Like that's it, that's it. With the exception of like maybe Julia, and now maybe Elliot who's taking his his king ruling seriously. may and then to a degree, Margo? most of them are just looking out for themselves. So they're like, oh, we need to do this so that I can do other things. And the show is very clever to be like, you guys are all just up your own asses. Like it doesn't, I was surprised you passed. Like so that was that was amazing. Uh, I also love that we got more about Julia, fairy slaves and the McAllister's. Again, I don't know how I feel about this fairy slave thing that they're trying to push here. It's very confusing. I'm sure it makes more sense in the overall story like once they get further down into the season, even though I think we're pretty far into the season, pretty far. But anyway, Julia has discovered that uh, A, McAllister's are grinding up fairies. B, these particular fairies think they're the only ones left and need protection from the McAllister's. And C, these fairies don't know that they can do magic. So all of that is happening at the same time. Julia wants to prove to the fairy they met that she can do magic and that she's not the only one and that she's actually in a bad predicament. She's not in a good you know, place as to what she's doing. So she sets up a test and uh, she tries to get the fairy to do magic like oh, the way a magician would with with the finger dancing and doing all that. And it's not working. And I love that Fen is the first one to point out that that's not how it works. Like fairies are magic. it's It's rooted in them. They don't need to do all this hand stuff that you're doing. So Julia finds a workaround, and she realizes, okay, if we can get you to do one small thing, then it's going to really work for us. And she gets Fen to create a flower out of thin air. It works until Fen starts, or not Fen, until the fairy starts bleeding from the eyes, the nose and the mouth and ears and everything, and starts, you know, dying. Apparently, they wear these chokers that blocks them from making, from doing magic. So if anything attempts it, Dominically takes their life. Clever! In a creepy, crazy, control way. But, so Julia realizes this, and in her panic to try and help out this fairy, she manages to freeze. Either time itself, or just the fairy. One of the two. Uh, until she can figure out what to do for her. And um, she figures it out through song as they're singing under pressure. Because why not? And it, it looks like her eyes start to glow. She starts to use this goddess power a little bit more. That's what it is, everybody. It's a goddess power. Uh, and... Apparently, she manages to heal this fairy and I think take off the choker in the process. I might have made up that last part, but I'm pretty sure she did. So that's happening. And apparently, this is going to lead to more because this is not the only fairy that's working for the McAllister's. And hopefully, we get to find out more about the McAllister's and their ties to the library because we got to see a whole case and vial of of that dust stuff that they've been using this whole time at the library that's what they found in the last episode and the librarians were like you don't want to know where it comes from so clearly there's a bigger network happening in regards to these fairies so we'll find out more hopefully and i also wonder if it ties into the queen fairy too here's hoping here's hoping all of that ties together we also get um uh, that the keys have mostly been found but i alice is probably still one of the biggest obstacles to, to finishing this quest for everybody she clearly struck a deal with the library in regards to this quest. Quite clearly. She shows up at the library out of nowhere. We as a viewers know how she got there, and that was by making a deal. Quentin kind of gets the idea that that's what's going on because he's betrayed because she's he, yeah, he's been betrayed by her quite a lot. so he knows that she's up to something. And I'm kind of glad that he's on his toes about her, but clearly he's not on his toes enough because she's gonna come up with something so that's happening she keeps trying to take the book he keeps like trying to stop her but i'm sure she's already made a copy and or done something else or stolen one of the keys she's she's going to be a big issue for them we found out a ship could fly so elliot and marka were uh supposed to die a horrible death by going over this waterfall of razor blades of some sort uh for you know after the townspeople rebellion they decided to murder them and they were like okay well at the very least we could do is that you can choose your own death Margot's bright idea was to choose one that's going to take a very long time to set up. And so she was under the impression that this waterfall dying, because it's called the infinity waterfalls, would be it. But apparently, like you're being sliced and diced the entire way down. So you either bleed out and you pass or you suffocate from the pressure. So either way, they're like, great. So they're on their their lovely boat, the boat that's got its own personality and heart. And they're they're trying to think of ways to like stall it. On the one hand I had to agree with that with the worker who was like you guys are terrible rulers like it's been nothing but chaos not just not just Elliot and Margo, but like every child of Earth that's come down and been like, oh, we are now the ruling successors of this place. It's just led them into more and more heartache. And I completely understand them being at their wits end and being like, "Now nah, this is the time that we say no and we take it back. This is ridiculous. The servants like I have been ruling Fillory without a king and queen, you know, out there, which is technically true because it was the beast for a long time. And I did a fine job and so now he's all power mad and hungry and can't wait for them to die. He gets the boat to take him to the falls, but instead of the boat stopping so that they can push Margo and Elliot off, the boat continues to move. So it makes the servant have to leave the boat and the boat takes off off the falls and just starts flying in the air as they're singing under pressure, because why not? Because why not? Elliot declares that the boat is a fan of Margo. And after her speech to the boat a few episodes back about, you know, respecting her and her boatness, I can kind of see why. I'm interested to see where this is going to go, though. They're still technically chained to this boat. So, and now they're on a a path that they have no idea where it's going to lead to. And this is a boat with its own personality. So all of those things are in the air. But that's where we left it with a flying boat on this musical episode. Uh, and also... We found out, uh, or reestablished at the very least, who exactly is a part of this quest, at least for now. And that included Quentin, Alice, Katie, Penny, Elliot, Margo, Julia, and Josh for some reason. Like all of them are integral to this particular quest for this episode. Who knows if that's going to expand to include others, ahem, Poppy, or if that's going to dwindle. So I'm not exactly sure why we needed to establish that. Well, other than to set up the episode where they could all hear each other in their heads and then sing this song. So hopefully it's not just for this episode that they did this and this actually leads somewhere else. And uh, yeah, so I'm interested to see where this goes. I'm interested to see if Poppy's gonna show back up and how she fits into all of this. I'm interested to see how Penny's gonna get out of the library. Is that gonna be a thing that happens? And, and yeah, other tidbits that happened in the episode, we got Katie doing her burlesque type of thing, which was cool. She's got some pipes on her. Uh, And actually that was, that's pretty much it. Everything else was like back into Quentin and Alice or back into Margo and Elliot or, or whatever else was happening. So, so that was it for the magicians. It was an okay episode other than it being a musical. It kind of moved the story forward a little bit, but I'm looking forward to seeing it really pick up pace and, I feel like we're getting close to the end for this as well. So hopefully it starts to pick up pretty soon. So after all of that, I'm going to dip into Asian dramas really, really fast. And then also talk about a wrinkle in time, super, super fast before diving into Jessica Jones. The full season released this Friday. I managed to finally binge all of it. So stay tuned right after this. So, Getting into these Asian dramas. So, like I said, I've kind of on and off been watching two idol dramas from Taiwan. One of them is My Dear Boys. This this particular drama is about the relationship between a 30-year-old woman and her 20-year-old man-child friend type of person. It's not unusual to see in Asian dramas like the older woman and the younger man team up. Like, he's a college student and she's like new in the has an established career in the workforce and they meet and he brings something out of her creatively or personally or spiritually that she thought was gone forever or whatever. And they kind of have this meet cute and they get together and they learn more about each other and it takes off. I thought that was what what was going to happen with my boys, but so far that is not what's happening at all. So this 20 year old boy who's still in Or about to be in college he just finished up like his uh, I guess his high school type of deal It's like a secondary school he finishes that up it's an art school and uh, he meets this this woman who's ten years older than him and she's an established uh, commercial director and he kind of meets her at her lowest point like she's trying to get over a ridiculous breakup and he's got to take care of her because she gets drunk out of her mind and In the end of everything, like once she sobers up and they start talking, this kind of starts a friendship between the two of them. They start to lean on each other, literally as friends. It's pretty platonic, them looking out for each other. She introduces him to her business. He gets really involved in it. Like right now, he's really interested in what's going on. And uh, they kind of just go back and forth and are able to talk to each other. Not like they're able to, unlike how they're able to talk to other people close in their lives. Like the woman has a sister she's really close with who's constantly trying to get her married off. And the the boy has his best friends that he kind of bickers with sometimes, but he's also trying to, you know, figure things out with. They both had separate love lives for like a good majority of this drama. Like I'm, I want to say I'm in like eight episodes in and they've both been interested in other people. And we've kind of seen that, Work and see and see what issues and obstacles happen with that. So I'm not sure if this is a drama where they end up together or not. Like so, the latest episode that our the last episode I watched uh, that was fully translated for me kind of hinted that the guy kind of likes her now, but there's no hint that she's ever seen him as anything other than like this little kid she's been friend she befriended. So I mean I'm interested to see where this goes. Like I said, it's airing now, so I can't binge it. We get the episodes as they air, and then I've got to wait for them to be translated into English because I don't speak Mandarin. And uh, and yeah, so it's a slow go. So it's a slow burn for me right now that I'm slowly learning more about. I like it, though. It's a pretty good show. It's not too crazy. I also picked up watching uh, When a Woman Chases a Man, another idol drama from Taiwan. This one, I recognize the lead actress. She was in another drama that I absolutely adored with. I want to say his name is Aaron Chang. There was another actor. Uh, he basically played a double of himself. So he's like, the, he was a rich guy who then pretended to be like a nerdy, poor counterpart, kind of like Prince and the Pauper type of deal. And initially he did that to get closer to a competition, which happens to be, you know, this the, the lead girl, his love interest. And it's a whole like him doing a dual identity while he's falling for her. It goes real soapy in drama land in that particular one but it's pretty good. So I recognized the lead character. I recognized her from that drama. She's got in their own standalone drama where she plays a woman who finds out that uh, her biological clock is not only ticking, it's like about to run out of battery. So she finds out for the drama that her ovaries are going to stop functioning in a very short window. So she's got a very short window if she wants to have a biological child on her own. So uh, her family's in a rush to get her married off or at least in a relationship with somebody. And in the meanwhile, she's kind of like taking the loss and it's like, well, I'll just focus on my career. It's a goofy show. It's, it, it's not the greatest, it tends to tread a lot of water. Like a lot of the episodes don't really move any of the plot or story forward, but I really enjoy it because it seems like the actors in the show are having the, uh, the greatest time ever on set. The lead actress, especially, it just seems like she's having a blast playing this person. And that's kind of what brings me back into watching it. I tend to watch it like when I literally have nothing else to watch or I'm in between shows or I just need to like burn some time while I'm waiting for something else to go on. So I don't watch these episodes in full like I would normally do when I'm binging something. But it's it's kind of nice to kind of go back to back and forth. There's 15 episodes total and it's already aired in Taiwan. So you're I'm able to binge it at my leisure right now. It's fully translated. But so we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Right now, they're kind of playing the trope of like, you know, she's a career minded woman. And this guy is kind of an obstacle in her way. There's this rich CEO that she's trying to get business from, who keeps like ignoring her and he's doing he's being very standoffish and very, very William Fitz Darcy about our Fitzwilliam, Fitzwilliam Darcy about it, or he's just like kind of cold and and not very warm to her at all. And she's slowly but surely surely thawing him. It'll be interesting to see where this goes. It'll be interesting to see if this is, I'm pretty sure he's the main focus of the love interest. Usually the rule for Asian dramas is if you meet him first and he doesn't like her right away, he's the lead love interest. So we'll see how that goes and see how it plays out. But otherwise, I'm quite enjoying it. So those are it for the Asian dramas. And then real quickly, Wrinkle in Time, I got to watch it over the weekend here and it was amazing. First of all, the buildup, just getting into the theater, seeing all these little girls, these excited little little black girls and, and all kinds of girls, just super, super excited to see this movie, very much warmed my heart. The fact that it's about uh, a, a mixed girl, a, a you know, woman of color, young woman of color, who is a geek, she's totally into science, also adored and loved, the story is kind of all over the place. That's, that seems to be the main complaint that I'm hearing is that it's not very steady, but you know what? I don't care. It's so pretty. It's so pretty to watch. It's amazing. And it's just amazing to see Reese Witherspoon play this very quirky character or to, or to see Mindy Kaling's character pop up with her quotes. She put quotes outcast randomly in the show. Hilarious. And to see Oprah do her best oprah in that she plays like this wise, wisdomed, kind of character and she's very patient and just very kind with this, with this main character. And it's just fun. It's just fun to watch. I had a great time watching the excitement with these little girls. It was great. I mean, I'll get more into it after afterwards. I do another podcast with a friend of mine. Called, uh, her name is Shay. She runs Shay Cherie show and we're, we'll get even further into it. If you're interested over on the people of culture podcast, if you check that out also on iTunes, but that's probably not going to happen till next week. So So that's going down. So real quickly, that's what's happening with that. So that pretty much wraps it up for the Asian drama slash wrinkle in time thing. And I will be jumping into Jessica Jones real soon, right after this. All right, definitely last but not least, we're getting into Jessica Jones territory. So Jessica Jones dropped on Friday. You could watch all 13 episodes at once with Netflix and fantastic binging things. And uh, honestly, I wasn't quite sure what to make of this season. I'm, the first season took me a little bit to digest because, oh, it was heavy. It was heavy. It dealt with a lot of things. I needed a lot of time to unpack it. I feel like they lined it up just a little bit for the second season. Uh, I, I kind of feel like it was to its detriment, actually. So uh, this particular season kind of feels like it runs uneven. I, I've read a lot of reviews and it's kind of a similar consensus of a, of a very slow buildup. And then once it starts to gain momentum, like nearly halfway through the season, it does a little bit better, but it's still not as strong as it was for the first season. And I, I think that's that's part of the learning curve. They, they tried to tackle a lot of different things with this season. The Me Too mo- movement gets touched on in there. Uh, Jessica's still dealing with her PTSD with the aftermath of, uh, what's his face? Purple man being, what is his name? Is it Killjoy? Killmonger? No. Killmonger is from Black Panther. Something. Uh, but purple man, basically, uh, him still playing with her head. Like he still shows up as her doubt, her negativity throughout the the show towards the end there. And, uh, just, just her family dynamics as always, the stuff that she's got to deal with and how her past is continuing to haunt her and stall her with what's going on with her in the present. Um, I had to agree, one of the reviews I read said that it felt like Jessica Jones was kind of not moving forward from what she had been doing previously. First season was all about her past, her past with the purple guy and her, the fact that she was the sole survivor from this ridiculous car accident that happened that killed the rest of her family. And then in this season, we're still dealing with purple guy out, you know, I guess outliers that are still happening even though she killed him off. But also family stuff again, and just a lot of things that happened into her past. So it's, it's it's okay. It's not terrible. It is not Iron Fist terrible. And yes, I'm one of those. I'm not a fan. So of Iron Fist. So it's definitely not to that caliber. I still enjoyed most of it, but there were, there were some things that ooh, that really whew, that really got to me. Uh, my biggest takeaway from all of this uh, is the fact that Trish is the worst. Trish is the worst. Trish Walker, AKA Patsy, AKA Patricia Walker, AKA Hellcat. Um, I don't know if it was on purpose that they decided to go this route with creating an origin story for her character or what, but she just came off as very entitled And just very much like, well, I've decided I am supposed to have it, so I'm going to have it. I don't know if it was supposed to speak to the fact that like once she sets her sights on something, she doesn't let it go. like She has a narrowed focus of things. Or if it was supposed to speak to her addict nature, like the fact that uh, she uh, had been a struggling addict for a while and had been clean for a bit. And then she gets introduced to this like wonder warrior drug and gets hooked immediately and just goes into this attic spiral down it ends up ends crazily like was that on purpose for her to do all that and the, to the point where like she's literally putting holding people as hostage to, in order for her to be, gain superpowers like it became a huge focus that she too needed superpowers like it, she was tired of having to rely on jess and i guess feeling weaker than her sister and I guess she wanted to be special too. And, and they kind of touched on that in a lot of different aspects of, of Trish's life. Like uh, when she goes after the director that sexually har- harassed her and, and abused her when she was acting as a teenager. And he was like, you wanted to be special. You were the one who came to me because you wanted to be this, this huge star, this special star and, uh, and they mentioned it again when like, she tried to do her pop album. There was a whole section where she was trying to be a pop star for a bit and how she felt like that was going to make her special. And then again, when they were talking about how her news thing isn't going the way she wants it to. She has to move on from lifestyle and be more CNN-esque, like the boyfriend she's currently got. And she feel, like her, every time she attempts to do these things and go move forward with these things, they end terribly. Like, all of them. So I'm very interested to see. Uh, where that's going to go. But uh, right now I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of Trish Walker. And I don't know if that's on purpose or if that's just because I couldn't identify with her character's current focus to do all these things. So we'll see. We'll see. They They dropped a lot of tidbits about how she's going to be Hellcat a lot. The biggest one for me was the fact that A, the nurse at the very end says that she's used up two of her lives. And the fact that her reflexes have kicked in after she held this doctor hostage to make her a superhero it seems like maybe something did go through before Jessica interrupted so but whatever Trish uh, is the worst is what I'm saying about this segment also oh the the guard storyline we got okay so we introduced into Jessica's mother Jessica's mother apparently survived this crash and they kind of shed light as to how Jessica got her abilities as well apparently a side effect. side effect of this, of Carl Malice's experiments, his doctor, his, the, the genetic editing that he does, uh, with their particular DNA sets, the side effect was that they gained these super abilities. Uh, for Jess, uh, outside of her regular attitude problems that she had, it didn't really affect her any other way mentally. But with the mother, maybe it's because she suffered far more. Uh, damage in that that accident than Jess did but after uh, the doctor was able to kind of fix her and kind of get her back together she has tied difficulty controlling her temper like anything that bothers, that creates an emotional reaction from her sets her off on a murdering spree which is yeah, terrible she's aware of it and she's been working on trying to stop it but at the same time she's not really trying to stop it because uh, it gets her what she wants so we dealt with that dynamic. Uh, I I did love the fact uh, that Mama Jones uh, reads Trish in a particular portion of it. There's a part where, I don't know if she's coming off her meds or if she's still high on this drug that she's been taking. But she like tries to come for Jessica's mom. Like you don't know me, you don't know Jessica and I'm the one that's going to stop you. And she basically just kind of laughs in her face and is like, I will snap you in too. Like what, who do you think you messing with? So I like that. I like that she was no nonsense. As troubling as she was and as problematic as she was, Jessica's mother, I really liked the story they gave her. It it does seem to falter here and there, but overall, I like that she was this complex character. But I think to the show's detriment, she was supposed to be like the antagonist for the show, almost the villain, and she wasn't. And I think I I felt it made the show struggle a little bit because at the same time they're trying to show her as being this huge obstacle for Jess to overcome, she's also like an emotional obstacle for Jess to overcome. So, I mean, I'm sure that was on purpose, but it it was a little messy in its execution, so. But we won't have to deal with that anymore because uh, Trish killed her, adding to my list of Trish being the worst. Trish kills Jessica's mother because she thinks it's the right thing to do because she's insane. Uh, there was, anyway, the point I brought up about Jessica's mother, it was because there's a whole part where she gets incarcerated and there's a guard who comes off as like a buddy buddy and quickly delves into being a controlling psychopath. He's like, I've got these rules and you need to follow these rules. The mother is a vegetarian and she doesn't eat meat and he like makes it his mission to make sure she eats meat, like to the point where he gets specialized, uh, gadgets to harm her because she's crazy strong much stronger than he is, but just, I guess just to try and rule over her. And then in Jess's uh, investigation of him, once she realizes what's going on between him and her mother, she finds out that he like drives these these poor prisoners to suicide or what looks like suicide. He might literally just be killing them. But either way, we don't really find out too much about it because he dies nearly immediately. But uh, they did a really good job of making him an asshole because whew, he definitely triggered me i was like whoa this guy sounds like an entitled person that i have had to come across every so often in my own work experience so that definitely he did a great job of being one of those uh they also really put me through the feelings ringer when it came to hogarth jerry hogarth finds out that she's got als which is crazy which is the the disease is not curable it's fatal it's it's very serious and they gave it to this character and she gets put through the ringer and I didn't think I was gonna have any kind of feeling when it came to Jerry Hogarth because Jerry Hogarth is not a nice person she really isn't she treated her wife like crap and her wife gets murdered she cheated the the woman she cheated on with her assistant she kind of used and then tried to toss aside and now the assistant's coming for her like she made some terrible decisions like even in i want to say there devil? maybe it was mostly jessica jones she makes deals and stuff that are totally not worth it and backfire on her all the time so she does a lot of terrible things and she met, even mentions it and acknowledges that it's probably karma coming back to her but ended up like really feeling for her because this poor woman We get a backstory about how she had to watch her father deal with brain cancer and watch him not be the man that she knew anymore. And she didn't want that for herself. She gets the briefest of hopes uh, in thinking that there's a a powered person out there who can heal, because this con gets set up for her that she believes in. And then ultimately finds out that it's not true. This is after she gets ransacked and her entire apartment is cleaned. Mind you, she, like, opened herself up to, like, this... They randomly come across this, like, old nurse who used to work at IGH, which is the the hospital that that Dr. Carmelis guy worked at when Jess is trying to find answers. And unfortunately, Jerry is the one who has to take care of this woman while they're trying to follow the leads that this woman gives them. And they they kind of bond. There's a whole moment where, like, they get really intimate with each other. And apparently all of it was a con. It was all a lie. And so Jerry has to deal with that. And I, I was really feeling for her. I was really feeling bad for all of the stuff that seemed to be happening in the shit show that was Jerry Hogarth's life. But uh, then apparently, I guess she clued into the fact that that was happening and she Jerry Hogarthed her way out of it. Meaning, after once all that bad ish happens to her, she believes the con. She gets ransacked. She finds out there's no cure to what she's currently got. She hits rock bottom. And in in this desperation, she figures out the best way to get me out of it is revenge to her credit the revenge is clever as hell it really is she manages to get these two people to turn on each other and basically take each other out essentially which is a little genius cold-blooded but genius so and then it ends with her kind of like making new plans to do things with the rest of her life. She's gonna start her own firm. She's going to uh, be her own boss, basically. She gets out of working with another firm that literally they were all blood lusty and trying to get rid of her in the first place and just trying to come out on top. So she's kind of starting over, starting anew, but I didn't think I was gonna side with her at all. And honestly, by the end of everything, I kind of don't side with her with everything, but she definitely made me feel like she's more of a person now. So that happened. Uh, also, oh, we got more Malcolm. We got a lot more Malcolm story, which was cool. You know, up until now, Malcolm's just been like the junkie assistant that showed up. Oh, I should say former junkie assistant. This, this man, when we first met him in the first season was like blissed out of his mind and trying to get on the straight and narrow, but really having trouble focusing. And then by working with Jessica and knowing her and learning more about her, he manages to clean himself up and he really starts to become integral to so Alias Investigations. He spends a lot of the season trying to basically cement himself with Jessica and Alias and being like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm tired of you got- shutting me out. I work here too. You're gonna treat me as your equal. And he kind of gets there, but as soon as he gets there, he immediately betrays Jessica. I'm like, as soon as he gets there. There's a whole thing with him and Trish, which I was not a fan of, with them using each other because whatever. And also, there's a new guy on the scene. We get Chang, who is a fellow private investigator, but he is definitely more showboaty about it and just like condescending as hell. And he tries to to steal Malcolm from Jess in the first place because Jess rubs him the wrong way because she's Jessica. And at first, Malcolm's like, no, no, no. But after everything goes down, the betrayal between him and Jessica, Jessica not forgiving him, he decides to work for Chang after all. And that's kind of where we leave things with Malcolm. I'm interested to see where this goes. Is he going to stay working for Chang? Is he eventually going to come back to Alias? What's going to go on with this? So, and I mean, all the shirtless scenes, I I wasn't mad at. I appreciated them all. But I'm most appreciative of the fact that we got more story around him. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes and hopefully it goes somewhere good. Uh, Also, it'll be interesting to see how the friendship progresses between Trish and Jess now that everything went down. So like I said, Trish killed Jessica's mother by the end of this season, thinking that she's protecting her friend. More so, I think, to prove that she's a hero, that she could take care of it and be done with it because she's the only person who hasn't gone and save someone and for whatever reason she's in this mindset that she also too needs to be able to do things like that clearly jessica is not having it a you killed her mom and now you're forever the person that's tied to the fact that she's lost her mom again b even though she says that she was trying to come from a good place like the fact that jessica couldn't separate herself from the situation that her mom was was really volatile and unstable and you you there really wasn't a whole lot that she could have done eventually her mom would have had to be put down i agreed with jessica that the fact that it's her that did it is what is is so unnerving for her right now like and i'm sure they're gonna work through it apparently these two stay really really good friends but the the whole thing with with their friendship up until now was that they had each other and now that's not going to be a thing when we pick up with season three hopefully so it'll be interesting to see where that goes especially now that trish is coming into her hellcat abilities so i'm interested to see where that goes honestly after this season i'm completely on the other side and just a little less of trish it's fine it's fine with me or you know i'm not, i'm down for a redemption arc if we get one if we I'm, I'm I'm figuring some kind of sacrifice is probably going to get made since she's got nine lives and whatnot. She's only used two. Technically, she's got seven left. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, all all of that back and forth that I just said and how it's not really cohesive. That's pretty much Jessica Jones. That's pretty much Jessica Jones. It was still a fun ride. I still recommend you check it out if you want to just uh, for the wizard alone. There's a whole character called the wizard, and apparently that was there was an actual comic book character in Marvel back in the '40s. So that alone. Just check it out. But otherwise I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And we got a preview for Luke Cage. I'm interested to see when that comes out in June, but otherwise that's it. And so right after this, we're going to do our roundup recap of everything that just, I just talked about and stay tuned. So it's going to, I still have some finishing just to say goodbye to you all. So stay tuned. And all right, that's it for Kirby Geeky Fangirl recaps. I went over my week's worth of watching and whatnot. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what shows come back next week. If I have picked up any new shows since then, probably not. Let's let's be realistic. But yeah, so we'll see how everything else goes. Um, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of interested to see what happens with the rest of Jessica Jones. Like eventually, we're gonna get the Luke Cage thing, right? Like that needs to happen. At some point, And I wonder if we're going to get another Defenders in between. So Luke Cage is next on the docket. People are hoping for a Daredevil season. I want to say three to pop off as well. I am not looking forward to an Iron Fist season two. I'm very surprised they got a green lit for another season. Um, but also probably I shouldn't be that surprised. It is Netflix. And in order for Defenders to work, they need Iron Fist, even though heavy eye rolls will occur. So we'll see, we'll see how that goes. But otherwise this week shows're we're, we're pretty good. Not too bad, not too crazy. Not too out there. I'll take it. In uh, the meanwhile, I'm also still reading my manga per usual, still reading Red River, which is so weird, but so interesting at the same time. It's still a girl who gets sucked into a puddle and traveled back in time to a mid, mid uh, Middle Eastern, yeah, Middle Eastern made up place and is fighting with a sword right now. That's happening. I've also got Skip Beat. If you guys know anything about Ski Beat, I know it through an idol drama. It was a Taiwanese drama um, that came out a while back and I remember it because there were Korean leads in it. So Korean pop stars were the love interest for Skip Beat. If you know anything about Ski Beat, it's a Japanese manga Uh, That talks about, it's based around uh, this character, this female character. Uh, I want to say Mayoko, Moyoko, maybe. Oh, I'm saying everything wrong. Maybe it's Kayoko. Let me look at this book. It's Kayoko. That's it. Kayoko Mogami, which I'm probably mispronouncing terribly. But this character, she gave up everything to be with the love of her life at the time. She was a teenager when all this went down. Uh, And uh, she was like solely devoted to this one guy. And his dream was to become a huge like idol, like a superstar celebrity type person. So she worked a gazillion jobs to afford a ridiculously expensive apartment for them to live in. She's taking care of his food. She's taking care of his bills. And he was not even caring that she was doing all this in the first place. He was just like, whatever. I mean, he used her basically, he used her. Uh, They were childhood friends. They've known each other for their entire lives. And she did not hesitate to leave with him when he was running away from home to become a celebrity. So now that he is becoming a celebrity, like he's firmly on the path to do so. He basically like totally dogs her to her face. And it's just like, whatever. I don't need you anymore. You're nothing to me. And she loses it which is for me is rare when I come across that in manga or or anime form for the girl to be like heck no oh no you chose the wrong one and that's exactly what happens with her she's like I'm getting revenge I'm about to make your life miserable so she heads out to become her own celebrity to do that for that sole purpose Uh, but I find it interesting because this book kind of throws you a curve in the fact that She's at an agency where they actually genuinely care about their talents, which is how you know it's made up. No, I'm kidding. That's mean. And I don't know that that's true. So um, so the CEO or the president of this uh, entertainment company that she's trying to work for sees in her uh, the fact that she's got talent there, but she's she's missing a key ingredient. And that's, you know, like caring for people and I don't know, being a human being. So he puts her in this like newly made agency department. Uh, For her to kind of explore that and really, really figure out what it is that she's trying to do and who she's trying to do it for and how she can learn to love herself. So that's really cute that that's in there right now. She's ignoring everything and trying to get this revenge, which I'm enjoying because it's a very clumsily handled revenge that she's doing right now. But uh, I'm interested to see where it goes. It's not bad. The drama was was interesting. That's what made me pick up the book. Unfortunately, the drama didn't really take off and they kind of stopped it like on a crazy cliffhanger and never went back to it. So I'm hoping the books will fill that out right now. So right now those are the focuses for the manga. It's skip beat and I'm still reading Red River. Like I said, it's all over the place. Like what, what is happening? puddle time traveling. So that's going down and I'm doing, I'm juggling all of these things and also trying to get ready for Awesome Con. Hopefully some of y'all are headed out to Awesome Con as well. It's going to be in Baltimore. It's in April, end of April, the 27th through the 30th. Yeah, no, 29th. Three days of ridiculous, crazy, geeky fun around the same time that Infinity War will be out. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm getting ready. It's only a few Ooh, it's, it's like almost a few weeks away right now. That's so crazy. Because I've been planning it forever. So I'm excited. I'm excited to get all that stuff ready. Uh, but that that pretty much is it. That's gonna round it off for Kirby Geeky Fangirl. And yeah, everything else is happening with these recaps. I'm trying to get another episode out for you guys next week as well. Like I said, you can find me on all my socials on Instagram and Twitter, on my website, which is curvygeekyfangirl.com. You can find me on Fan Bros too. I write articles for them as well. Uh, If you wanna check out some fantastic fandom fashions by yours truly, it'll be there and my website as well. Otherwise, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing from you guys. Hopefully you guys have your own interesting opinions you wanna share about these episodes that hopefully you also watch before you listen to this. And I will see you guys later, bye.